Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Thursday, and I'm going to see, I'm going to try to do, um, point out something in the to Rosh Hashanah, which is coming up very soon, uh, with this uh, podcast, for which we want to thank Mishpacha Savansky, and I'll get right down into it. Um, you know, the Jewish religion is a funny business. We always say, do we have an old Messer? We don't change. But really, we do. But we say we do, we don't, we don't, we do. And the best, one of the best examples is connected with the Rosh Hashanah and the chauffeur blowing. <coughs> Working backwards, I think many are familiar with the fact that really you're supposed to just blow the chauffeur mid three times, you know, Tekia, 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 times three. And that's it, nine altogether. Um... And what's the trua? Again, I think many are familiar. Rashi, I repeat, Rashi and others say a trua is only three, not nine. That's it. Not but and that's the way it was done for a long time. And then Tosha says that it was some students of Rashi that I bet you most people never even heard of. This is a very famous long Tosha in Lama Gibel on thirty-three B in Rashan, if you're interested. And again, I repeat, Tosa says, Rabbi Yitzhak ben Asher, Rabbi Yitzhak ben Arab Meir. Uh, the students of Rashi, they, they said, no, a true is really nine. Du, 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 which everybody in the world does. It's funny, they dropped one, picked up the other. Unless I'm wrong, I mean, as far as I know, never heard of anybody doing three. Uh, you know, the true, uh, du, 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 like that. Who does that? So, you see, the this raises... The historical question, that's always my angle. How did that happen? Rashi lived in the 1000s, died in the early 1100s. <clears throat> How did it happen in the 12th century? They started to just switch. And three wasn't enough. And now you do nine. It's a little bit, not exactly, it's a little bit like when the Balshanto came along and started being, demand, you know, bigger chumras. All of a sudden, duh, 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 was not good enough. You see? Um, we don't have recorded the fights that must have popped up over that, but it happened. Uh, it's just interesting. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. Instead, um, rather the famous business, which is um, mentioned in the Gemara, again, all very famously, but very obscure, on Lama Dalet, where it says that Rabbi Avo in, in the city of Caesarea, Iskin made a Takana. Who's he to make a Takana? He's not the Sanhedrin. One rabbi in the Gemara made it to Kana, do you end up doing the system of Tashrat, Tekiyah Shvarim Trua Tekiyah. As the Gemara says, Iskin Rabbi Avob Kesari, Tekiyah Shvarim Trua Tekiyah, and then the Gemara challenges that, you know, and it says Shvarim Trua is based on the fact you don't know whether it's really Shvarim is the right thing, or the Trua is the right thing, knows the word Trua in the Chumash. Does that mean what you and I call Shvarim, or rather does it mean what you and I call Trua, or maybe it means both, it's not clear. Uh, actually, the way the Gemara says it is, it's one or the other. Igunuchi Ganach, 
right? The Gemara is a Masafkale, Gunuch Yali. That he wasn't sure whether it's the right one or not, so you do both. And uh, so that's just weird. Um, because uh, what did people do until then? Uh, and if you tell me he personally was 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 dissatisfied, I mean, since one Amora, you know, I mean, we're not taking away from the statue of Rabbi Avo. How did he change the whole world? Because we know the whole world changed. And the Gemara says very fascinatingly, Masculor um, Avira and Masculor Avino, that he was challenged. Masculor means he was challenged. He was attacked. One says, what about Hepsik? Dilma Rabbi Avira says, Dilma Yalula Yalo, become Hepsik, Shvarim Ben Trua Litkil. When you do Tashrat, Tkia Shvarim Trua Tkia, let's say, for example, it really is Trua, da 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 da, and the Shvarim is a mistake. Let's just assume that. When you do Shvarim Trua, you are making a Hepsik because Tkia Shvarim Trua, well, what if Shvarim is wrong? You see, that's a hamstring. And the Gemara goes on to say, well, later on you do Tekiah Shvarim Tekiah three times. Tashat, as we all do. And then it's the Moscow Ravino. He says the same the other way around. What if it's really Shvarim? See, the Shvarim Trua. So the Trua is the hamstring between the Shvarim and the last kid. Okay, they say later on we'll do Tarat. So we cover all nuts. So what you and I call 30 kolos comes from this. Which has become universal. That's what we blow the chauffeur. Okay? That's what he blew the shovel. Now, um, again, it says, Iskin Rabbi sorry. Rabbi Yavo made a takana, right? Uh, in Caesarea. So, and let's say the Gare Rebbe says the Gare should do like this. And the Satmar said they should do like this. And the Taimonim says, why, why is it? Has spread through all the Jewish people. That's the interesting part. Now, there's two issues with this. One is well-known, the other is not as well-known. One goes like this. This is In the Middle Ages, Jews were, at, were when they were attacked, when challenged by the Karaites, so the Karaites said like this, you didn't even know what the, you, your so-called Toshavalpez baloney, you make it up as you go along, or somebody did. And the Orthodox said, oh no, we have a Masara, go all the way back. But then, from Kairwan in North Africa, they said, what about this Gemara? You see, even the biggest rabbis had a suffix what the real true is. Which doesn't sound like our Misora is so great. Right? This is like a classic, um, you know, uh, famous uh, story over here. Uh, you know, in, in the debate between the the, uh, the the rabbanim and the and the karim the karats, okay, and uh, it's in the uh, what do you call it? Listen to this. There's a letter from Kairwanter of Haigon. Haigon's late, and he says, bah, 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 bah. "Here we go." Oh, Mikon Rabbi Avol Mahayosin. This is what they're writing to Haigon. What did they do before Rabbi Avol came along? I mean, you blow shofar every year. It's not true in Jewish history. There were years went by when we didn't blow shofar. You know, maybe in one place or another there were persecutions. 
That's true. The Gemara itself talks about blowing, uh, you know, you've heard this before. Somebody blows inside of a cave or inside of a hole in the ground. And Rav Haigon Taka says that's because it was forbidden to blow shofar. Even concentration camps where people were forbidden to blow shofar. Some people, I knew a guy, you know, they risked their life to blow shofar, but the other one not. But all over Klai Yisrael, they blew shofar. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, let's say it's the Holocaust. Let's say somebody had the misfortune to be in Auschwitz or Dachau. They did not hear shofar for 1941, 42, 43, 44. I get that. I get that. But in America, in Israel, and places that were not in the Holocaust, they blew shofar. So the fact that the guy in the concentration camp, Nebuch, went for a long time without blowing shofar, but, but the other Jews heard. So that's what they're writing of Haigam. Right? Right? <laughs> And the guy's writing to Haigon, he says, and if they knew it, what did this Rabbi Avol do? I mean, how did he blow Shavar until now? He doesn't need to come in with Tashrat. Those who said it's Tashat, assuming that that's the right one, that's what everybody did. Those who said Tarat, that's what everybody did. Who needs somebody to come and say, well, I'm not sure what it is, therefore I'll make a new one up. The only time it would make sense the Ravel was misocking, fixing the situation, was in a situation where the old minig was confused. The old minig was unknown. But I thought we rely on a, mis- a living misura, midor lidor. And Rav Haigon answered very famously, kachra inu, he says, ki adavr it's very clear, it's not long. Yerusha mushuleshes mutekes mukubeles, we have a long continuous misura going all the way back. Handed down orally. So the way of blowing shofar goes all the way back to Moshe Rabbeinu. But you should understand that Ravo did not make this takana because he didn't know because of a subject. Although the Gemara says that. The Gemara says, Mesapkele, Igenuchi, Ganach, Yolil. Ravhaidon said, No, no, that's not what it means. Okay. Um Kilomach Mesovic uh Hatakonazos. Ki ikra dover me most Moshe Rabbeinu Shalom. This is going back all the way back. Don't say that there was a Sovic time Ravo, Shai Mishnayas Kadmonius. Because we the what do you call it? The the, the Mishnayas or the Shanim it's ancient. But Kachai Dover. But rather, Rav Haigon argues, it goes like this. There's an old custom of blowing shofar, but it was dealer's choice. Some people used to blow what you and I call uh, a trua. And some people used to blow shvarm. Either one worked. And both of them worked. The problem is, since everybody didn't blow in the exact same way, it looked like there was all divisions. Although it was wrong. Meaning, an intelligent person, a learned person, knew that some do trua and some do shvarm. So if I went in the time of David Amal, for example, or Mordechai Nestor, you know, way back when, if I went to Rosh Hashanah, and I went to a gathering of Jews. 
I might hear people do Tashat, and that's fine. I might go a few blocks away and hear somebody do Tarat, that's fine. And when it came to the Tanoim, when they talk in the in the Mishnah and the Gemara, they were following their own personal meaning. Elu Mishnasim Kiminagam, Elu Mishnasim Kiminagam, Marki Asrei or Marki Asrei. Each one follows local custom. Ukshibar Rabbi Avol, and when Rabbi Avol came along, which is the two hundreds, the third century, Rol Asakin Takana. She goes in Kobe's Maisechem. He wanted to make it that all Jewish people do it exactly the same way. Belobium Dover, and there shouldn't therefore appear something, Shehed Yotos, Romasaka Right? He didn't want something that would appear to the uninformed as a Machlekes. He wasn't afraid of the knowledgeable. Those who were scholars would know what I just said, and they would not be bothered by the fact that you go into one shul and they blow one way. And blow another shoe, blow another way. Any more, in other words, than you and I today, in 2021. We know the Yemenites blow a little bit differently, the Briskers blow a little differently, Yellow blows a little differently. Yeah, big deal. You understand? Uh, but an uninformed person, if you're following this Rav Haigon thing, would say, wait a minute, I went to a Taimani situation and they blew very differently. I went to a Yekka Shishol and they blew differently. Are you having different uh, laws and customs and things like that? Uh, you know, so um, this is what was going on. Uh, let's put it this way: so they're afraid of looking at, at the uninformed. And this was kosher and they all adopted it. Now, this is quite a daring statement. It's obvious they're of high going to saying this to go against the Karaites. You know what I'm saying? It's not any forgetfulness that comes in all there. We have no forgetfulness. But rather, there's a multiplicity of minogim. And Taka, the guys like the Karaites are the uninformed. And they might persuade regular from Jews who are also uninformed. Because they say, look, some do it this way and some do it that way. Therefore, you have no Messorah. And in order to blunt that, Rabbi Yavos said all the Jews should do it exactly the same way. So that even today, even though it is true that, like I said before, the Yekis and the Briskers and the Chassidim and then, you know, all do it slightly differently. But nevertheless, everybody does Tashrat, Tashat, Tarat. You know, right? Basically, you do. Wherever I go anywhere in the world, I know the, 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 the style of blowing might be a little different, but fundamentally, it's the same business. That seems to be the argument, the famous argument of Haigong. The Rambam, very weirdly, rejects this. I don't know why. And I tell you the truth, I opened the Rambam. In fact, I pulled out from Shoal um, the fancy Rambams, you know, the Shabbosi Frankel with all that stuff. And... I didn't see anybody talk about it. It was really surprising to me among the classical Mephoshim. The Rambam, and I think many of you may know this, when he, in the, in the third parak of Helchashofer, says, what's the shot with all this business in the Gemara with the Tashrat, Tashat, and all the rest of it? And the Rambam says, quote, Trua Zuha Batorah, the Torah says the word Trua, as we all know, it doesn't say anywhere in the Chumash, thou shalt blow the Shofar Rosh Hashanah. Right? It only says in connection with the Yobel, right? It doesn't say anything about Rosh Hashanah. So the fundamental basic rule and number one practice that we all look to as, as representing the essence of Rosh Hashanah is actually not Nechomish at all. Uh, except through Xero Shabbos and things like that, Torah Shabbat, which of course the Karaites wouldn't accept. So the Rambam says, Trua Zu Amor B'Torah, when it says in the Torah Yom Trua, even though the word 
Trua is a very ambiguous word. Trua can mean a lot of things. But let's stipulate that Trua indicates shover blood. Nistapik, the Ramam says, Nistapik lanu suffik lefi orech hashanim v'robagolos. Ve'ech enon yodim hechi. This is like shocking. Okay? The Rambam says, I mean, the reason I say it's shocking is it's not possible that the Rambam was not familiar with the writings of Rav and the Shibas of Haigon. Just take it from me. The Rambam lived in the 1100s. He was pretty into the Shibas Agonim. He held from Haigon to some extent. He he didn't follow the Gonim blindly, not at all. There's a book about that from a guy named Chavit But not at all. But he knew about it. So the, the rhetoric of the Rambam is obviously Kenegat Haigon. True Azumar Batorah. It's topic on the Suffolk. Get over it. What 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 um Rav Haigon says is inadmissible, Ram says is admissible. That language is really interesting, and I was shocked that the Shopsy Frankel, even with the you know the fruit salad in the back with all the uh you know uh it brings down all the scholars at the, the, the this farm to talk about. They didn't talk about this. The Mepharshim here talk about something totally different. The Rama, listen, I'll repeat what I said. We we lost the original correct way of doing Trua. Nistapik lono dover savik. Lefi orech hashanim barova golos. Boy, I need Rabbi Weinberg over here. You know, he's super medaik in every uh, word of the Rambam. Uh, you know, it's be like brisker about it. What's the difference between Orech Hashanim and what's Rov Agolos? Those of you out there who have learned in fancy places, you know, there's something to sink your teeth in. Um, but I didn't see Orech Agolos, whatever. But the Rambam ascribes our lack of knowledge of what the original true is to two things. The, the length of time. It's been a long time. And Rov HaGolius. Uh, Therefore, we don't know what it is anymore. Now, I'm surprised. What not the Rambam afraid of the Karaites? And second of all, isn't the Rambam kind of famous? That, um, uh, what do you call it? Isn't the Rambam kind of famous for um, always arguing that the reliability of our Messiah? Let me put it this way. In the Hakdam to the Mishnah, and I know many of you know this, the Ram said, oh, ever since the time of Yeshua we know what uh, Esrog is. The historians actually won't agree with that. But let's go with the Ram. We always know what the Esrog is. Priyat Sardar is the Esrog. Priyat Sardar is not a lemon, you know. Priyat Sardar is not a fate. It's Esrog. That's his way of saying we have reliable Mitzvah. Here, on a pretty important Mitzvah, I would say Tkia Shepard is kind of important. Ein Anu Yodin Hechi. It's It's strange. And um, I'm sure there are people who have written on it. I know there's a professor in Israel who wrote about it. I wasn't too impressed with uh, the, But it, it's it's very weird. Why does the Rambam not go with the Haigam? What is it, you know, that he doesn't like about that approach? Uh, maybe there's something to it. I can think of why. But I'm just saying out there, it's very atypical for Maimonides to go and say, listen, we forgot and, and what about the other mitzvahs? How come Shofar? You know, what's so special about Shofar? They forgot exactly how to blow it. Now, let me put it this way. Would this be a... Would, how should I put this? Maybe the Rambam, in his use, when he was persecuted by the Muslims, had to fake out 
living a life of a Muslim. Maybe there were years went by when they didn't hear the shofar. I don't think that's true, based on what we know, but could be. Or at least let's put it this way. The Ramam certainly was was familiar with Jews in Islamic Spain after the Almohads took over and as they had taken over in other countries. And it was not possible to blow shofar, the Rosh Hashanah, because shofar makes a noise. That's something you had to keep quiet. Um, one of the problems with shofar is you can hear it. Um, that's exactly why Rabbi Gonsai used to blow inside a tent, uh, and, uh, a pit in the ground, you know, a deuce, a bore, a deuce, whatever, cave. Um, by Hitler, we know. I knew a guy in my shul, passed away long ago, Menashe Shama. He uh, risked his life by blowing a shofar under a, what's the right word? Uh, under a, a blanket, you know, in, in Auschwitz somewhere. You know what I mean? Those, he and a few guys got under a blanket, the blue shofar over there, nine colors, I don't know, whatever he did, blue. And, um, and that's it. Um, I imagine, you know, the from, 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 figure out some way to blow shofar. Maybe they did or didn't under it. But generally speaking, a ton of people never heard it. So, um, if you're living in Stalin's Russia, I'll tell you again, something that's not loud, so you can fake out. You know what I mean? A person could daven silently by himself, living in an apartment in Moscow under Stalin. If he had a room that he could lock the door. But chauffeur, somebody's going here. You think, right? So maybe that's why the Ramos says, I don't know. But it's striking to me, as it should be striking to anyone, that the Rambab would just plainly throw out there, you know, um, uh, that we, we lost this Masora. And the language is very interesting because he has Orech Hashanin and Rova Goliath. I'll tell you again, you need like a Rova Weinberg. What's the difference between the one is a, a, a chronological thing, Erech Hashanim. It's been so long since since what? <laughs> it's been so long since what? You didn't blow shofar last year? It sounds like the Ram is describing a situation where Claudius Yisrael had some kind of gap, and by the time they were able to get back to blowing shofar, it had been so long that they forgot. Number two, Rov HaGolius. Right? What does that even mean? the multiplicity of exiles. I'll tell you again, I think these are two words. Those of you who are interested in what I'm saying today, if you want to have something to uh, try to figure out, you're hard not to crack, I think that's an interesting Rambam to look at over the next uh, week or two, especially if you're sitting in Shul, Rosh Hashanah, in between one thing or the other. So this is, uh, for those who know, it's very famous, yeah, you know, the Rambam has what you call Hilchus um, Shofar Sukkah, and it's only three three chapters are about the Shofar, and this is so it's not long, and this is in the third chapter. After this chapter starts the Sukkah stuff. So um, anyway, there you have it. So it's it's, it's you know um, remarkable. Now I want to get back to what I said before, because here's where it gets to be uh, interesting for a uh, history point of view. Be that as it may. This person, Rabbi Avo, came along and said, I'm starting something called Tashrat. And what you're telling me is that somehow or other, it spread throughout the Jewish people. Because the Gemara doesn't care about the fact that one rabbi in one place did one thing. It's talking about the fact, obviously, that it spread throughout Claudius Rome, as we know. Now, how did that happen? Rabbi Avo lived in the 3rd century, 
There was a Sanhedrin still left over in his time, is much weaker. So why doesn't it say the Sanhedrin were... Mis- um, let me put it this way. So to, to blow the way we blow, is that a drabonin? Let me be very clear. A drabonin doesn't mean something some rabbi did in the Gemara. A drabonin means something that was actually passed by a Sanhedrin. Right? There was still a Sanhedrin at that time. And the Sanhedrin, you know, was a legislative body, among other things. So if the Sanhedrin in the in the third century said we hereby adopt, you know, this Takana Rabbi Avo, that's how the Gemara should put it. Um, unless you want to argue Isim Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo presiding over the Sanhedrin in Caesarea passes, eh, it doesn't sound like it. So the question then is, how did this spread? Now, when I say how did this spread, I don't only mean physically how did it spread, but in general, whenever you have a Takana, especially a more Mahmer one, it just stands to reason, life being what it is, people are going to push back. You're trying to tell me, until now, we let's say, for example, let's go to Haigon for a second. You tell me, where we live, we always did Teshat. Every year comes Rosh Hashanah, Tekiah, Shoram, Tekiah, Tekiah, Shoram, Tekiah, Tekiah, Shoram, Tekiah, done. Because all you need is nine. So let's say I lived in a certain place, back, way back when. That's how we blush over. Right? Yom Troy, Yom Troy, Yom Troy. Three times you do Shoram. Now comes all these guys that know you got to go and do Tashrat. Who the heck said that? Rabbi Yavon, Caesar, so... So some rabbi in Israel, I don't care who he is, I mean, he's a big guy. You tell me, why, why do I have to change now? You get it? And how did it happen that this change was executed? Because whenever you talk about changes, if you have a government or some political force behind it, so you can enforce your Takanas. But here, we're talking about a time in history in the, in the 200s, they didn't have anything like that. And certainly, 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 then their power in Eretz Yisrael to go make them do what they did in, in bubble and make them do what they're doing in Israel, as well as the rest of the Roman Empire. How, how do they do that? This is why it comes interesting to me. Because it says, here, you know, I know when you learn a Gemara, usually you don't pay attention to the names. That's the you know, usual style. Here's kind of fascinating. Because very briefly, the Gemara says that Iskand Rabbi Yavobah Kisari, Rabbi Yavobah said, let's do Tashrat from that one. That's it. That's it. Tashrat. See, he was immediately challenged by two people, A and B. One was Ravavir and one was Ravina. They more or less asked the same question. I don't want to go so in detail to this, but, you know, one said, hey, your Tashrat, Ravavir says, doesn't work. If it's really da-da-da-da-da, uh, then you're interrupting with the Shvan. And Ravina said the other way around. Okay? Uh, now, what does that mean? Who's Ravavira? That's a very interesting question. I know it's a very obscure name. I'm quite familiar with this. Actually, if you take the trouble to look these things up, and there is now, um, they have these books that have Huda Tanai Mamarim, where, you know, knows, it's not that, it's easier today than it was before to find who these obscure Tanis and Amoras are, or even regular Tanis and Amoras. The Golden Oldie, there are many of them. One golden only is Aaron Hyman's told us time about 120 years ago. He was a good guy. 
Um, famous Shokan in London. Anyway, the long and the short of it is, there's two Rabbi Aviras. And it's very striking. This is what I'm about to tell you. There's Rabbi Avira A and Rabbi Avira B. What's the difference? Lived at two different times in two different places. What's the difference? Rabbi Avira A was a buddy of Rabbi Avoho in Israel. Rabbi Avira B lived in Bob was a buddy of Ravina. Isn't that fascinating? Because it says Rabbi Avoho made a taikon that you should do tashrat. Maskevlo Ravira. He was immediately attacked by Ravira. That could mean a colleague who said, hey, what about the Hefzik part? Your eye hold, that um, really maybe it's Yulula Yola, maybe it's really true, da, 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 and you're interrupting the Kiyah Shwarm to Kiyah with the Shwarm in between. Was that a, a, a colleague of his? It could very well be. That would mean that the colloquy in the Gemara is at the time Rabbi Vo tries to make this new rule, he was challenged in a intellectual way by one of his buddies, by one of his colleagues. So Rabbi Avo is challenged by his friend, Rabbi Vera. Well, all the time in the Gemara, you know, these are called intellectual discussions, intellectual arguments. You know? That's one possibility. The other possibility, which is even more, more logical, is no. It's the other guy. It's the other Avira, Rabbi Vera B., who's a friend of Ravina. Why do I say that? Because the Gemara says, who are the two people in this paragraph in the Gemara who challenge Rabbi Avo, A and B? Moscular Ravira, Moscular Ravina, see? That makes more sense. The two challengers are buddies, colleagues, okay? And they're both challenging from the same angle, which is, one says the Shwarm is in Hefzik, and the other one coming from his angle says that the true is a Hefzik. Uh, and in each case, what did Ravi, what is the more answer? So, the more answer is like this. I hope I haven't confused you. The Gemara says, Ravavo said, let's do Tashrat now. Tekiah Shvam to a Tekiah. Done. Period. Over. Ravavira says, that's not good. Because what about Tarat? Maybe it's really Tekiah to a Tekiah. And the Shvam might be a mistake. The Gemara answers, okay, then let's do Tarat. As we, you and I do today. A separate block of three times so what does that mean? By doing that, we obviate any problem you might have with this Tashrat stuff. If you say, I have a problem with Tashrat, no worry, I'm going to do another block where we just do the Tarat, and then either way, for sure, Manashach, you heard it right. If it's Tarat, I did three times three times three. And if it's not, then I did the other way. Tashrat. And Ravina says the same thing. He said, What is Shwarm is the real thing? So we answer, oh, we do Tashat three times. In other words, from this discussion that I'm talking about, you result, it ends up in the system that we have today. We call the 30 colas, so to speak. Three times Tashrat, they do three times Tashat, and three times Tarat. That's what we do. Today, as everybody knows. Okay, the kiss of Yushu, you know. So I'll tell you how I understand it. And it's then, then it makes a little more sense. 
And that's an essay in the history of how custom spread. It says Rabbi Yavol came along and he said we should all do Tashrat. And he wanted this to be accepted throughout everywhere. Rabbi Yavol lived in the 200s and he lived and died. It didn't, it can't be that it turned overnight and spreading to Israel. There's one guy that started a new minna, he was a great man, but it takes a while for what we call the reception of science. Not the whole claw you throw from one end of the world to the other, just dropped in, turned over and says, now I'll switch, it, switch to Tishrat. It spread little by little. Sometime later, 300s, you get to people like our heroes, you know, Ravina and Ravina. They're living in Babylonia. Clearly, Rabbi Vira is a Tarat guy, like Haigon says. Where he lived, he always used to blow the shofar, Tekiah, Truah, Tekiah, Tekiah, Truah, Tekiah, Tekiah, Truah, Tekiah. And now this new, you know, some Yeshiva guy is coming back from learning in Israel, and he said, oh no, you got to do it this way, Tashrat. And Rabbi Vira said, what happened to the Tarat? I don't agree with that. We're not throwing everything out the window the way we've been doing it for a thousand years or more. Gemara presents it in a literary fashion. What that means is, where I come from, this is the way we've always done it. Tarat. And Gemara answers like this. Okay, we'll do that too. I'm not telling you to drop your custom. Keep doing it the way you've always done it. But add now an extra thing. That can't be too bad. Just to add on a new one. In other words, from the halachic perspective, you ain't doing nothing wrong. You're still going to have your tarat. You see? Uh, the only thing is, you'll have tashrat. So, it's not exactly what Rav had in mind, but it is a necessary concession to get the new thing accepted. Now, Ravina who was a, a colleague of his, came from a different show. He said, what about Tashat? We've been always doing it like that always. Tekiah, Shoram, Tekiah. My father, my grandfather, and so forth and so on. What does that new coming in with this Tashat? Mara said, okay, we'll do that too. So by doing, by, by keeping the old ways, you showed respect for the old customs. You just piled on a new one. You see? Um... You might ask me a question. Why didn't he simply say everybody should do Tarat and everybody should do Tashat? Because he said, because maybe there's also, you know, Genuchi, Ganach, Yolo, Yolo. Maybe really it's supposed to be Tashrat. Maybe that's the real Trua. Shwarm and Trua. See, he was introducing a new element in there. You see? And you, you couldn't displace the old one. You can only add to the old one. There's a, 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 a it's a very powerful historical reality, when you want to introduce a new reform or a new change, you have to accommodate and keep in the old one. You can't throw the old one out the window. Because then you merge the laws of Rosh Hashanah. There's a lot of that in the laws of Rosh Hashanah and, and, and Tekiah Shofar and things of that nature. Uh, it expresses itself also nowadays with the Tekiah Stemiyashim, Tekiah Stemiyashim. You know, what do you need one for? What do you need the other? comes the question, which was the main one, which is not the main one. Judaism 
it's not a church in the sense that they have a Sanhedrin that issues clear, you know, certainly not by the third century, but by the fourth century. Maybe they had it once upon a time. Um, and so change, if it's even a quote unquote frummy change, you want to you know, make it even more exact, uh, requires, you know, uh, accommodation to and public display of respect for existing Minhagen, uh, which is just very interesting. Because otherwise, you, you get a lot of resentment, a lot of blowback. So, uh, if you think of it in that fashion, uh, then you, then we have here the history of the spread of a new minhag. Um, it's not simply a back and forth thing, more like typical. Moscow, you know, they're just asking some theoretical or, or, or whatever intellectual questions. We're talking in the context of an attempt to impose a new system and therefore, I diss the old system, and that's not so simple. That wasn't so simple. And the more kind of reflects that. The Rambam stays very, uh, uh, more appalling all this. Maybe because of what I just said, the Rambam says that it doesn't sound like, you know, it was a dealer's choice or something like that. But um, I think it fits in very well with Rabbi Haigon. The Rambam is unusual. That Orecha, what is it? Orecha, Shonim Barova Gullers. Because of those two factors, uh, yeah, unless he's being rhetorical, and Aruch Hashem Rabbah is just like one phrase. But, you know, usually when we look at a Rambam, especially in something interesting important like this, we try to pick apart and parse every single word. So I've given you a job uh, to do, if you're interested. And uh, there are people who have written on it, but it's, um, um, I don't know, I'm not crazy about what I saw. Nachum Kasher is a thing, for example. Um, but take a look at it and see what you come up with uh, in the next two weeks. Uh, because if you're interested in Rosh Hashanah, you're interested in Jewish history, here's here's one you can sink your teeth into. With that, I bid you a good week. I want to thank the Stefanskis again for sponsoring the L podcast. And with that, I wish you a good week. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. I'm going to try to do that short piece um, today or tomorrow if I have a chance. And see how that works out. Um, there was a little. Uh, I'm not. You know, I'm not very good at speaking in very short amount of time, but we'll see uh, what, what's happening. Have a good job. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support. Dot rabbi david